This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. First and goal. Mahomes flings it. It's there! Hartman! Jackpot! Kansas City! What a game. What a finish to that football game last night. Good morning, everybody. Chiefs 25 to 22 in overtime, finishing off, I think, the best run and the greatest moment of Patrick Mahomes' career. Uh, for now, anyway, he's got a long way to go. Uh, overall, a great Super Bowl. The first half, not so much, but the final hour and a half, more than made up for it. Maybe as great a final hour and a half of big-time playoff football that we've ever watched. It had almost everything. Uh, I will get to that here in a moment. Denton's here. I am here. Ben Standig will be the only guest on the show today. Uh, Definitely an opportunity for all of you to weigh in on Super Bowl 58, on Patrick Mahomes, and a lot more. And coming up here shortly in this opening segment, a lot of Washington news over the weekend. Yeah, when you are picking number two in the draft and you've got a new coaching staff and you have a need for quarterback, when you've got hours and hours of Super Bowl pregame coverage, much of it talking about the league, not the game, you're going to be the subject of many different conversations, and we've got some of those coming up here in a moment. Look, I think... You know, despite the first half, which was shaky and error-filled, I think this was a game that had almost everything you would want. It was close. It went to overtime. There were great individual performances. There were great coaching performances. There were also great coaching errors. There were great plays. There were tons of mistakes. But even the mistakes were exciting Mistakes, two shocking fumbles in the first half with both teams going in to score, a botched punt return, a blocked extra point. Um, you just had so much to this game, it's going to take forever to get through my game recap. Again, maybe the biggest mistake a strategic coaching blunder to start overtime by Kyle Shanahan. The game was one of those wars of attrition that just seemed to go on and on and on. It included incredible physical play, injuries, and maybe the strangest injury you'll ever see. There were dramatic fourth down conversions, dramatic third down conversions, missed calls, bad calls, trick plays. 
big time hitting and a double digit lead overcome. And again, as I said, it wasn't the prettiest or the cleanest of Super Bowls to start, but the wait for the final 90 minutes or so was totally worth it. Mostly because of one guy, Patrick Mahomes, who won his third Super Bowl in four tries. A third Super Bowl victory in which his team rallied from 10 points down. All three of the wins, he faced a double-digit deficit. Winning last night by playing his best football of the game in the biggest moments, which we've seen him do over and over again over the six years he's been a starting NFL quarterback in Kansas City. Down 19-16 to with a minute 53 left in regulation. Two drives, end of regulation and in overtime. He was 14 of 17, including 3 for 3 on third down conversions. He rushed for 33 of his 66 yards on those two drives, including a 4th and 1 8-yard run to keep his team alive in OT, and then a 19-yard scramble later on in that drive in overtime on 3rd and 1. With the game on the line, Patrick Mahomes made to convert on third down four times and on fourth down once. That's five conversions on five attempts on the biggest downs of the game for his team on offense with the Super Bowl on the line. Mahomes did what he's done before. He took the game, essentially, which was a game on the brink, into his own hands, and he decided the outcome more than anybody else. He finished 34 of 46 for 333, two touchdowns and a pick. And he was also, oh, by the way, his team's leading rusher. Nine carries, 66 yards. The talk of Mahomes going into this game and now the talk after the game about him being the best to ever do it, it's not an exaggeration. It's not premature. He's 28 years old. He's got three Super Bowls. He's got three Super Bowl MVPs now in six years as a starter. He's got as many Super Bowl MVPs as Joe Montana, and he's too short of Brady. He's behind only Brady, Montana, and Bradshaw now with three Super Bowl victories. Brady, of course, with seven. Montana and Bradshaw each with four. He is 15 and 3 in the postseason. 15 and 3. This postseason in particular was supposed to be the one in which he didn't do it. And yet, I think what we just finished watching over the last four weeks, going back to the Buffalo game, is maybe the most iconic run of his career. And by the way, there are probably a few more to come. He took a team that clearly was the worst offensively that he's played on. No real number one wide receiver for much of the season. A pass-catching tight end, all-time great, but had an up-and-down sort of jumpy season, did Travis Kelsey. A team that was really led by its defense for much of the year. And yet, when the games mattered the most, four playoff wins in a row, 
The last three in Buffalo, Baltimore, and then last night, the last three away from home and as an underdog. You can't do it alone, and he had a lot of help. But he was, once again, the single biggest reason that his team has another Lombardi trophy. You know, there have been seven double-digit comebacks in Super Bowl history. He's got three of them. This Jordan comparison, the Jordan-era comparison, isn't nuts. He's got a long way to go to match or eclipse Brady as the greatest winner of all time. But he's so far from done. You know, barring any sort of catastrophic injury, he's got a minimum of 10 years left, if not more. Remember, Brady won his last Super Bowl at 43. Mahomes is 28. But beyond the winning, I think the eye test for all of us that are, that are big football fans and watch every Sunday, every year, the eye test says he's right there with the greatest we've ever seen play. If we didn't know his Super Bowl count, we'd say, God, is he one of the best I've ever watched. He's got one of the strongest arms of all time. He's one of the great creators of all time. And he's one of the best clutch performers of all time. An all-time great already. And over the last few weeks, especially last night, I think one of the most memorable playoff runs ever. I still can't believe they beat Baltimore. And as far as his team goes, I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs are at least a mini-dynasty at this point. Four Super Bowl appearances in five years, three wins, three and five seems like a dynasty to me. But it also kind of feels like this run might not even be half over. Incredibly entertaining, an amazing night for Super Bowl 58. Man, we've had a lot of them in recent years. I mean, there was a stretch for those of you of a certain age, like me, um, where the Super Bowl was always a given to be like a blowout. I mean, there the 80s and 90s featured so many blowout Super Bowls. It's like we couldn't get a close game. There was the giant Buffalo Super Bowl in Tampa, wide right. You know, you had the Montana drive against Cincinnati. But then it was just one blowout after another. I mean, until you got that St. Louis Patriots Super Bowl. That was a great Super Bowl. The Brady big upset over the Rams is a big underdog for his first. But man, think of the games we've had. Two two walk-offs in a row. We had a Rams win over the Bengals 23-20. The only blowout was the Brady blowout of Mahomes when the Chiefs were really banged up. The Eagles-Patriots Super Bowl, the Patriots-Falcons Super Bowl, which was the first overtime game. Yes, I did predict overtime, didn't I, Denton? I bet on overtime, so thank you for that uh, 11-20 <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I did not bet on the overtime. What was it? What did we find out it was? It was plus 1,100? It was plus 1,120 for your boy. Yeah, well done. Well done. Yeah, I predicted a Kansas City overtime Super Bowl that would stay under the total, 
And the under was the only smell test pick I gave out. And when I gave it out on Friday, and we go with the Friday number, it was 47 and a half. So it stayed under. I know a lot of you pushed on the under. I know some of you probably lost the under because there were 47s and 46 and a halves at kickoff. I played the under for the game early enough that I had it at 47 and a half, and I played the under first half at 23 and a half. So I was a winner, and, and I was smart enough not to bet any of the alternate lines. I liked Kansas City minus four and a half. That would not have uh, worked out. Um, just loved the drama over the last, say, 60 to 90 minutes really was worth what turned out to be a very long night. A draining night, but totally worth it. God, Mahomes, on that final drive. Both of them. So good. All right, um, I'm going to get to an in-depth game take coming up uh, where I will give you what I liked from both sides, the Chief and the 49ers side, what I didn't like, and then a lot of other things associated with the game, including, I think, a decision that really ended up being costly. You, I, and Kyle Shanahan claims that they had looked at this scenario and that was their decision based on analytics. I think it was a major strategic error to take the ball first in overtime. You college football fans who watch college football all the time, there's a reason that if you win the toss, you defer and you go on defense first. And the 49ers chose to take the ball. It was a mistake. It cost them dearly. All right, uh, I'll get to my game take coming up in a few minutes. But first, man, there was a lot of news about our team. So, Denton, I want to play the conversation between Ian Rappaport, Tom Pelissaro, and Mike Garofolo. This was yesterday, one of the several Super Bowl all-day pregame shows. This was the NFL Network, and a lot of the conversation over the weekend that wasn't game-related dealt with Chicago and what they're going to do at number one overall, and then how that plays out with respect to quarterbacks, Caleb Williams being a big target. So you'll hear Ian Rappaport, Pelissaro, and Mike Garofolo in this exchange yesterday on the NFL Network. Here is my understanding of where it stands for the Chicago Bears. According to sources, it would take a historic haul for the Bears to move off the number one overall selection. Something wild. Not saying it could not happen just like it did last year, but something crazy would make this happen. So where does that leave the Washington Commanders? Right now at number two with a new regime, Dan Quinn, the the head coach, uh, Adam Peters, the new general manager, but also Cliff Kingsbury, the offensive coordinator, and many have noted Kingsbury spent last year with USC. We do expect, and many around the league expect, the Commanders to at least check in with the Bears to see what that historic hall would be, as you see Cliff Kingsbury right there. Ian, you talked last week about Magic Johnson being one of the people that recruited Cliff Kingsbury mm-hmm. to come to the Commanders after he What happened to the rest of it, where they said that they're going to try to do... There was, there was a... Sorry, but there was, a, there was another part where they said they're going to try to give Kingsbury the quarterback that he wants. Um, there in that exchange. So let's go through this a little bit. All right. First of all, the first part for me and Rappaport, 
historic haul the Bears are saying that they won. Okay, just understand this. When you hold the number one pick with a quarterback that is as highly touted as Caleb Williams is, you are going to be, in terms of where your public stance is, you are going to be open for business. It would be irresponsible for them not to be. All right, that comes straight from the Chicago Bears that they are looking at a historic haul. It's not because they're not open for business. It's because they're essentially saying, hey, give us your best shot. You're two and a half months away from the NFL draft. You hold all the cards with the number one choice with Caleb Williams there. You absolutely want to let everybody know Come with your best chance. We'll take a historic haul. You don't mention historic haul and crazy offer unless one would work. And keep in mind, Washington has the most valuable pick in return for the for the Bears if they were to deal with the Bears because they've got the next pick if the Bears liked, let's just say, more than just Caleb Williams. You know, but there are other teams with valuable picks. New England at number three, teams further back in the pack that may come up with an overall aggregate, you know, package that's more attractive. They could blow Chicago away. This is going to be about demand. The supply is there in terms of listening. And that's what you heard there from Ian Rappaport. Make no mistake, you weren't hearing the Bears say, yeah, no, 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 we're staying at number one. You heard the Bears saying, hey, we're open for business, no doors are closed, come with your best offer. It doesn't mean they'll accept it at all. It's going to have to be a really good one. I think we've got a long way to go before really determining what Chicago will do because there's so much due diligence on Caleb Williams and all three of the top three quarterbacks that has to be done. They've got to find out about Caleb Williams, the person. They've got to find out about Drake May, the person. Jaden Daniels, the person. Then they've got to compare to what they have. It doesn't really make a lot of sense if Chicago believes strongly in any one of the three quarterbacks to keep Justin Fields. Even if you believe that Justin Fields has a chance to become a solid quarterback. You get a rookie reset. You get five years of control by drafting one at number one overall. And let's face it, while there is a lot of positive sentiment for Justin Fields in Chicago, from fans in particular, who have come to really appreciate and like Justin Fields. Just the economics would lead you to believe that Chicago will take number one and use it on the quarterback that they love the most. Unless they don't like one. And that's where we'll learn a lot more over the next couple of months. It's going to be a crazy couple of months, and it's so good to be a part of it at a super high level. Because when you've got three of them that could go one, two, three, including one that from a playing standpoint looks and plays like the guy we watched last night, there's going to be a ton of action. Now, the 
Mike Garofolo part about they will check in with the Bears and then talking about how Magic Johnson was instrumental in recruiting Cliff Kingsbury. And then part of that was also a discussion about how Washington told Kingsbury they will do their best to get the guy that he wants. First of all, tells you, for all intents and purposes, for anybody thinking uh, that Sam Howell is going to be the guy that Kingsbury falls in love with. That's not happening. They're taking a quarterback at number two. Now, again, lots can happen between now and the draft. When they sit down face-to-face, when they really get into who these guys are, who these kids are, for all intents and purposes, things could change. They could change dramatically. And maybe it's J.J. McCarthy they fall in love with or Michael Penix who they fall in love with, and then they decide to trade back. Maybe they don't like any of them. And you end up looking at Kirk Cousins or Ryan Tannehill as a bridge. The latter is a bridge. Um, Or trading for Justin Fields. Man, it's going to be the next two months, two and a half months, before the NFL draft is going to be a wild two and a half months. From my perspective, Denton, what I really hope is I don't hope a major move is made too early. From a selfish standpoint, if they made kind of an RG3 level trade now, you know, or and in this case it would be with the Bears to move up a spot, then you know what they're doing. Um, I'd rather the drama play out over the next two and a half months. You don't want to see an early March league calendar big trade that puts them at top at the top right away. Although, if they really love Caleb Williams, if they really love him, then go get him. Um, I don't know if this group will do that, though. I think this group is just way too resistant to... Uh, you know, spending a fortune on what will be, regardless of how much you know, an unknown. So there was more Washington news as it related to the quarterback. Doug Williams, we haven't heard from Doug in forever, but Doug's always a feature of Super Bowl weekend because of his historic Super Bowl game in Super Bowl Twenty Two back in January of 1988 in San Diego. Doug Williams was on the NFL Network with Andrew Siciliano and Bucky Brooks. He was asked about Washington and quarterback. Here's what Doug said. Doug, have you guys called the Bears yet to try to get to one? I'm going to say we hadn't at this particular time. You know, I think Adam, this is the first next week going to be the first time that Adam get a chance to sit in with with, with the uh, scouts and and everybody that is in personnel to, to go over, you know, what their plans are. Uh, you know, a good part about it, we're sitting in a great position because you got three great quarterbacks that, that are out there. You know, one, two, and three. Uh, but at the same time, we got the second pick, and we got four picks still within the, the first 100 picks. So at the end of the day, you know, we have great capital. Uh, we can do what we think we need to do with this football team, and that's to build it. At the end of the day, you know, if it's a quarterback, great. If it's an offensive lineman, great. If it's a defense rusher, you know, whatever way they want to go, we, we can go that way. And I think we, we got ourselves in a good position. Hold, hold on, Doug. If, if you guys take a tackle at two, <laughs> like, you, you know how people are going to react. They're going to throw stuff. They're going to they throw stuff. I know D.C. They're going to throw stuff at you guys now. <laughs> well, 
I, I, th I think, Bucky, I think you know good and well. You know, I, I got to be political about this whole thing now. But, but no, I just threw it out there. But, but you know, 9 out of 10, that, that was a good chance that we might pick one of the quarterbacks. But at the same time, <laughs> nine out of 10. You know, we got enough picks behind them to fill in those, those blanks, whether or not it's an offensive tackle, defensive end, a linebacker, what have you. So I think we're in great position. That was Doug Williams. I, I don't know. I, I had multiple people tweet me and say, what is Doug Williams doing in the organization right now? I honestly don't know. I love Doug so much. He's one of the nicest men you will ever meet. He's still in the organization, and I think he's going to stay on in the organization, which is awesome. Um, I don't know how much involvement he really has, but I think it's pretty intuitive, the answer that Doug gave, and I would assume that he's around enough of the building conversation to know that, yeah, there's about a 9 in 10 chance they're going to be taking a quarterback. Um, real quickly, too, before I get to uh, the Super Bowl recap, there was some other news related to the team over the weekend, and I'm going to wrap it up real quickly here, uh, recap it real quickly, because a lot of this happened after we were done on Friday. They reportedly will hire Larry Izzo to be their special teams coach or special teams coordinator um, to replace, replace Nate Katzer. Izzo's special teams in Seattle, he's been the special teams coach in Seattle for the last three years. He was actually the interim special teams coach back in 2020. Per the DVOA metric, the Seahawks special teams units during his four years as the coordinator finished third, fifth, fourth, and eighth. Uh, that's pretty damn good special teams coordinating and results. Now, he's had an outstanding punter in Michael Dixon during his years and a pretty solid kicker in Jason Myers. So they've had some good kicking situations, but they've been pretty good in coverage as well. But anyway, um, Dan Quinn's staff starting to come together, netting it out here. You got Kingsbury and Joe Witt Jr., as your offensive and defensive coordinators. It looks like Larry Izzo will be your special teams coordinator. On defense, they've hired Jason Simmons as the DB's coach. On offense, they've hired Brian Johnson to be uh, to play a, a role with Cliff Kingsbury on the offensive side. Tavita Pritchard, remember, is staying. And there was news about Randy Jordan leaving uh, the organization to take a job in Tennessee, Randy Jordan. I looked this up because I was like, did Mike Shanahan hire Randy Jordan? Um, he's been in the organization for 10 seasons. Uh, no longer, however. I would imagine the rest of Quinn's staff will be filled out and almost complete by the end of this week. Uh, we're also hoping and, and have been told that we will get Dan Quinn on the show sometime later on in this week after the coaching staff has been pretty much filled uh, to its completion. All right, uh, what a Super Bowl last night. 25-22 to 22 in overtime. It had so much to it. Uh, I will try to get to as much of it as I can remember when we come back. It's the Kevin Sheehan Show on the Team 980, the Team980.com. We are free and live on the Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. What a Super Bowl, 25-22 in overtime. The Chiefs win it. Um, You know, one of the things that I wanted to start with is I sensed, and I think Romo actually sensed it too, Nance to a certain degree. Uh, Let me just say real quickly, I thought Romo, Romo who's been terrible, just god-awful as a lead game analyst for multiple years running. I actually thought it was one of his better games. I thought he was as prepared for a game, and he should be. It was the Super Bowl, as we've heard in a while. But the end of overtime had, I think, a lot of people confused (laughs) as the clock was running down and Andy Reid wasn't calling timeouts. The touchdown pass, the game-winning touchdown pass, to McCole Hardman coming with three seconds left on a first and goal down, down 22 to 19. Just so everybody understands, overtime in, you know, overtime in the postseason works like a normal game. Overtime number one is like the first quarter. Overtime number two is like the second quarter. Now, we've never in the history of the NFL gotten to a third overtime. Uh, but the if they didn't get the snap off or if the play had been you know incomplete or if it had been a run, the clock would have run down to zero and they would have switched ends and continued second and goal. It was like the end of the first quarter. Denton, did you have a sense that people didn't know that? No, it was not uh, explained very well, and the guy that I would think would be in charge of explaining that is Tony Romo, who didn't seem to know that the overtime rules were new in the postseason this year at all. Well, he did know there. He explained it. He said, for people that are wondering, he said at the end of that, this is like the end of the first quarter. They'll just switch ends. Because he 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 said, and, and it was maybe a combination of the both of them said, I kind of have this weird feeling there's a lot of people wondering what's going on and why Andy Reid isn't calling a timeout. So they were, I don't know, I don't want to say all over it, um, and maybe they didn't and weren't made aware of it until that moment. I, the overtime rules, just so everybody understands, okay, for the postseason, it changed a few years ago. And it changed after Brady got the one possession in the first overtime Super Bowl of all time against Mahomes and the Chiefs in their first Super Bowl. Uh, um, uh, the uh, 
no, that was the um, the AFC title game. Excuse me. That was the AFC championship game when the uh, Patriots went all the way down the field and scored and walked it off 37-31. to 31. The rule then changed that each team would get a possession in overtime. It also... You know, actually, now I'm confusing myself. Um, I know the rule, but I don't know when it changed. I don't know if it changed after that or if it changed, it changed after, after Josh the, Allen didn't was, get a chance in that playoff game. Yeah, it was the it was the Buffalo game. It was, it was the, the Buffalo, Buffalo Kansas game, City game. That, and then that literally the, the forty-two week, to thirty-six game. And the next week, Kansas City fell victim to it when they lost to Cincinnati. Right. Um, yeah, but the Cincinnati championship wasn't that a field goal that won it on a second possession. What maybe it was? I, I thought yeah. that uh, Mahomes it, it, hadn't touched. You're it right. It, it was the Buffalo game that changed the rule, and the rule then changed to you're going to get a possession even if the team that starts with the football scores a touchdown. You're going to get an opportunity then down seven, down six, down eight. However, they decide to handle the touchdown. You're going to get a possession regardless. And that changed the strategy. This is something we talked about, and we've talked about before on the rule change, um, that it would then change what you would do based on winning the coin toss, and it would look more like the college game in which you defer so that when you get the football, you know what you need in terms of the type of score. Um, whether it's a field goal to tie, a field goal to win, or you need a touchdown to tie um, to keep the game going. Um, and most importantly, you'd be in a position where you would have fourth down as an option, if not a necessity. And so Kyle Shanahan made a major strategic error. I, I didn't intend on leading with this, but I do think that a lot of people towards the end of that first overtime were confused. Even with the old overtime rule um, and the overtime rule before that when the first team that scored uh, won the game, even if it was a field goal, which they got rid of many, many years ago, um, the overtime in postseason is treated like the start of a new game. So that first overtime is like the first quarter. And so when you move to second overtime, which we've had a few second overtime games in NFL history, we had it for the first time ever, Chiefs-Dolphins Christmas Day 1971, still the longest game ever played. We had it with the Browns and the Jets in a in a postseason game in the 80s that got to a second overtime. We had it with the Dolphins and the Chargers in one of the great NFL playoff games, if not the greatest NFL playoff game of all time back in 1982. We've had second overtimes a few times. The Colts and the Raiders at Memorial Stadium when Stabler threw a pass to Casper early in the second overtime to win. But at the end of the first quarter, at the end of the first overtime last night, the Chiefs were not going to lose if the clock ran out. They were just going to continue... And you might say, well, why even bother then with a clock? Well, because of change events. If you're playing an outdoor postseason game and there's wind or there's weather or there's field condition differences, you want the two teams to have equal footing with respect to the direction 
that they are going in. All right, um, let me get to my game take. I just thought that that was interesting because I was sitting there and my I was watching the game with 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 a few people, including my son, and he's like, "Is this going to be the end? Why isn't he calling a timeout?" And I'm like, "Man, I bet a lot of people are wondering that right now." Um, all right. So I'm going to do this Super Bowl recap similarly to the way that I do, you know, the Washington Monday recaps, where I give you the things that I like, didn't like, and several other observations. Um, but really, from both teams' perspectives, not not to mention kind of an overall game perspective as well. So I'm going to start with kind of an overall um, take on the Chiefs' performances, things that I like, things that I didn't like. Um, from a Chiefs standpoint. And I'll start with the things that I liked. Um, Well, it's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, how do you start anywhere but there? Now, you could make the case, and he's number two on my list, that Chris Jones was as good as any player on the field yesterday, um, not named Mahomes. Mahomes, without question, was rattled in the first half. He didn't have much time. They couldn't run the football. Um, It really looked like the Chiefs team that we saw occasionally this year, the Chiefs team that we saw against the Raiders on Christmas Day in particular, the Chiefs team that we saw for basically the last three quarters of the game in the AFC title game after they scored their first two touchdowns um, on the first uh, opening drives. Uh, But Mahomes was so good. And as I mentioned, 14 of 17, 103 yards, 33 yards rushing, and 5 for 5 on the biggest downs over the final two drives. Man, what an absolute brilliant clutch performer Patrick Mahomes is. He's one of the best. I thought the best throw he made over the final two drives was the third and six versus the zero coverage blitz that he found Rasheed Rice coming over. By the way, Romo said right before that play, he said, I don't want to see zero coverage blitz here. And when they snapped and he saw it coming, you can hear him say, uh-oh. And it was an uh-oh as he hit Rice over the middle for a massive first down on that play. Um Chris Jones, again, may have been the best player on the field, not named Mahomes, unblockable at times, disrupted at least a half dozen plays um, by my count, and then really disrupted, and it may have been a missed assignment for the 49ers up front, the third down in overtime that led to the field goal for San Francisco when they were in the, you know, when they were inside the 10. Uh, that was, you know, by the way, uh, everybody's saying, well, that's a touchdown pass to Juwan Jennings if, if, Je- if Jones doesn't pressure him. It's covered. I mean, it could have been a touchdown pass to Jennings, who was outstanding in the game. But Chris Jones, incredible in the football game. Um, by the way, sticking with their defense, which was just outstanding throughout the game after the start. Uh, the two corners, McDuffie and Sneed, were so good. Uh, so many pass breakups. Now, I thought some of the pass breakups were easy pass breakups. A couple of those deep outs um, were not great throws uh, by Purdy that were broken up. McDuffie should have had a pick on third and 10 on the 49ers' third drive of the second half. And then his blitz pressure on third and four late in regulation, which forced that field goal that gave him the 19-16 the to 16 lead, was big time. Um, I thought Spagnuolo's defense, which got off to a slow start and was being dominated at the line of scrimmage, 
totally turned it around in the second half. McCaffrey in the second half was 13 carries for 47 yards. There's a lot of criticism of Kyle today for not running McCaffrey more or not running the ball more, especially on the first two drives of this second half. There wasn't a lot of running room for McCaffrey. Not really. Um, Their defense totally got big time after the first quarter-plus of the game. Offensively, Kelsey, another big-time performance in the postseason. Nine for 93, including that big third-down reception at the end of regulation that got him a chance for a game-winning touchdown in regulation. Um, McCole Hardman, look, he had the game-winner, but he also had the only big play offensively that KC had in the first half. That 52-yard bomb was not a, a great decision, I didn't think, by Mahomes in the moment. He was throwing into double coverage. The safety just got turned around and got lost, and uh, and Hardman you know, pulled it in. Um, by the way, on the game-winning touchdown catch, Hardman admitted after the game he didn't know the game was over until Mahomes came up and told him in the end zone. He said that he just kind of blacked out. I think there were a lot of people confused about the new overtime rules. Many 49er players admitted as much um, after the game. Um, Sticking with the things that I liked from from the Chiefs in particular, just the job overall that defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo did uh, just in, in turning that around and really getting to the point where they got pressure, they got pressure with major disguise that Purdy did not pick up uh, enough. Um, and because of it, had a couple of balls batted, which he was you know in the top five or top six in the league in batted balls during the regular season. But it really looked like, and I thought, you know, again, I think Romo had a good day for Romo yesterday. Not a great day for an analyst, but a good day for him. But he pointed out on several occasions how well that Kansas City was disguising, but he also said it's disguise that a more veteran quarterback would recognize. You know, there was a Bolton blitz, there was a Sneed blitz, where they're looking away from the backfield, and Romo pointed out many times with a, with a veteran team, with a, a veteran coordinator, that's a tell that they're coming, and they didn't pick up on it. Um, but the defense really, which was this the, the, the catalyst for the Chiefs all year long, it got nasty after the first half. Um, you know, the, the, the 49ers in the second half – uh, in terms of drives, with a 10-3 lead at halftime, went three and out punt, three and out punt, three and out punt, and then they had the big drive that ended up being the touchdown drive, um, and that was, um, you know, that was a big drive for Jawan Jennings, who was just outstanding um, in the game, uh, but. Uh, lastly for the Chiefs on kind of the list of things that I liked was Harrison Butker. My God, four for four, including a Super Bowl record 57-yarder. By the way, on a bad snap, it was a high snap that threw the timing off. That kick came out low. He still drilled it. They said that he could have backed it up to 70. Did you hear that, that he was booting it from 70 in pregame? Um, he was a massive factor, in part because their red zone offense wasn't great. 
You know, the Chiefs were two for six in the red zone. Now, one of those is at the end of regulation, obviously, where with six seconds to go, they decided to kick the field goal rather than run another quick play. I think that was probably the right move. You know, if there had been an, 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 you know, I thought it was close to, to DPI in the end zone. Um, against Kelsey on the on the first down, uh, first and goal throw from with ten seconds to go. If you had had the ball, at the one with one timeout left in six seconds, you run another play. But especially given the low snaps that were a big part of the second half for Mahomes, that ball just kept coming back low with six seconds to go. I think it was smart not to chance it. So they were really two for five overall in the red zone. You really can't count that last one uh, in regulation. But Butker was a major factor. By the way, the 57-yarder broke the Super Bowl record, which was set earlier in the game by Jake Moody, who had kicked a 55-yarder. Um, all right, we'll take a break. When we come back, I'll give you the list of things that I liked from the 49ers uh, standpoint. And then we'll look at some things we didn't like and just a lot of lot of interesting situations in that game. Give you a chance to weigh in next hour as well. It's the Kevin Sheehan Show on the Team 980, the Team980.com. Last night in the Super Bowl, Chiefs beat the 49ers 25-22. to They're the first team to repeat since the Patriots did it in 2003-2004. The Chiefs winners of their third Super Bowl in five seasons. Patrick Mahomes named Super Bowl MVP. He joins Tom Brady and Joe Montana as the third player with three Super Bowl MVPs. Kyle Shanahan now 0-3 in the Super Bowl as an offensive coordinator and head coach, holding double-digit leads in all three of those games. Following the game, both Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey alluded to running it back for a three-peat. Both guys had been subject to retirement rumors leading up to the game. In non-football news and local news, Virginia Senator Louise Lucas says as far as she's concerned, the stadium deal for Monumental to move to Virginia is effectively dead, saying that things got out of control, they moved way too fast, and the public knew information before it was all set in stone. We'll have more information as that becomes available right here on the Team 980. And that's what's trending. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. They called it. All right, Nate. Eight seconds left in overtime. Mahomes roll. Mahomes touchdown. Kansas City wins back-to-back Super Bowls. It's Was that that was the Nickelodeon call? That was SpongeBob and Patrick reacting to the game-winning touchdown. Wow! All right. Um, I thought about just recording that just to see what it was like for the purposes of today's show, but I guessed that most of you probably just watched the CBS broadcast. But it's awesome. I mean, when you got a bunch of people at the house and the kids are there, like you put it on in a different room and you put it on Nickelodeon. I'm sure it did a big number 
as well. Uh, all right, we're breaking down Super Bowl 58, one of the more memorable Super Bowls of all time. It really was such an edge-of-the-seat, dramatic, compelling last hour to hour and a half of a Super Bowl that we've ever seen. I mean, we had, you know, last year we had a walk-off field goal. We had a 23-20 game between the Rams and the Bengals before that. We've had Eagles-Patriots that was wild, Patriots-Falcons. We've had a lot of good ones. Pats-Seahawks 10 years ago or 9 years ago, whatever it was. Um, We've had some really good ones. There was something really really cool about last night's game. I don't know if it was the length of the game, which took forever. The fact that it really was in so many ways a war of attrition, the injuries with key players leaving the game and then coming back in the game in Debo Samuel's case. Drake Greenlaw, I mean, he's running onto the field and he tears his Achilles. Are you kidding me? Kittle's not there in overtime. Defenses, offenses looked exhausted at the end of that game. Um, it really was it, it was a game that that had it all, and yet at the end of the first half, you're like, well, this wasn't what I was expecting. Neither team really can make plays. There are errors all over the place. There are fumbles. There's, you know, clearly p- uh, too many penalties. It's 10 to 3. I was thrilled. I had the first half over. Uh, for the limit. Um, and the under for the game for the limit, too, which hit for me. I know it didn't hit for everybody. Pushed for a lot of people as that line came down. By the way, the game went to I, – I saw mostly one-and-a-halves right before kicks. I did not see a one out there at any point by kickoff, Denton. Um, but I think if you waited – to play the Chiefs hoping that you could get it to three or two and a half and you could buy the half point. It didn't work out that way towards the end. Kind of came back with some sharp money in there on KC. All right, uh, I am recapping the game similarly to the way I do it with Washington games. Things that I liked, things that I didn't like, and a lot of other observations, and that'll take some time. But Kansas City-wise, I went through the list of things that I liked. Mahomes, Chris Jones... Uh, you know the the two corners, McDuffie and Sneed, were outstanding. Despite despite Sneed's stupid penalty in the first half, uh, Pacheco and Hardman and Kelsey all had moments. Kelsey was great. Uh, Spagnuolo called a great game defensively after that first half. Harrison Butker was great. Um, for the 49ers, the list of things that I liked. So um, look, I, you know, as you're going through a game like the one we had, you know. You know, you're 10 to 6 basically midway through the third quarter. And you're like, man, if this thing ends kind of like that New England Rams uh, game a few years back, I mean, who's been good enough to even consider as the MVP? Well, Juwan Jennings was at the top of my list for the 49ers. The dude threw a touchdown pass on a trick play. Um, he had. Four big-time catches. He was the best blocking wide receiver on the field last night. And so I really thought that Jennings had an amazing game and was probably in the hunt for the MVP if the 49ers had won the game. Denton, right now, if the 49ers had won the game, let's just say in overtime somehow the Chiefs got stopped on a fourth down and it ended 22-19. to Who was the MVP? No, you're right. It would it would have been Juwan Jennings. He had the best performance all around. I think it would have been Jennings. You know, you could have made the case for McCaffrey, 
McCaffrey had 30 touches for 160 yards and a touchdown. And by the way, the trick play, the Jennings throwback to McCaffrey, not for one second as the as that play uh, began, uh, uh, you know, began to uh, to unfold. Did I think it was going to work? But McCaffrey's acceleration and the block that he got, um, a couple of big blocks that he got, um, was outstanding. Um, but uh, after Jennings, you know, McCaffrey did he got shut down in the second half as a runner. 13 carries for 47 yards is not Christian McCaffrey-like. They got nasty against the run uh, in the second half, the Chiefs did. Um, But still, overall, you know, 30 touches for 160 yards and a touchdown. McCaffrey is special. And God, how many of those yards came after contact? It seems like every player for the 49ers, McCaffrey, Samuel, um, Kittle, uh, Juszczyk, uh, even Elijah Mitchell in his by the way he went over the carries didn't he didn't he get back to back carries didn't you say that his the prop bet on him was one and a half carries yeah he did go over on that yes yeah they went back to back with him because McCaffrey looked tired at times got every player looked tired at times on defense man seriously I mean Chris Jones for the Chiefs and Nick Bosa and Armstead for the 49ers were just. So good. I mean, Bosa, look, Chase Young had a sack. Okay, he did. He forced an intentional grounding. That was a long, you know, drop back. I give, you know what? Most of you know, I didn't, I wanted Chase Young to work out. I was too invested in him with the draft. I'm never going to root against a 23 or 24 year old who's had some issues, no doubt. Um, So it was nice to see him actually be involved in the game. I thought his overall effort and urgency and just motor was much more than we had seen in any game this year. So credit to him, but Bosa's the guy. Armstead was the guy. They couldn't be blocked. Um, And I just thought that Bosa's impact on the game, Armstead's impact on the game, especially when the Chiefs really did look to be off kilter and rattled in the first half. Um, Those were performances that stood out. Fred Warner's performance always stands out when you watch uh, the Niners. They missed Greenlaw. There is no doubt that they missed Greenlaw uh, not having him. Um, uh, one other, by the way, Moody with, you know, he had a, a, an extra point blocked and that was a massive play in the game as, as we will get to. Um, but the 55 yarder was big for him because he's not been necessarily super consistent. By the way, both punters were really good in the game too. Um, the, the punt that, that Wisnowski had, which was, um, I'm sorry, that Tommy Townsend had that was 62 yards and it was a net like 65 yard uh, advantage on field position because they nailed uh, the punt returner was incredible. Uh, Wisnowski had a punt that was incredible right down to the one yard line. Um, the special teams play in terms of the kicking and the punting, with the exception of the blocked extra point, was pretty outstanding, as was the coverage uh, all day. We did not have a kickoff return indoors. You're just not going to see with two guys with that level of leg, you're just not going to get a kickoff. Uh, return in the game. All right, there was plenty to the game uh, that wasn't good, 
And um, and then there were just so many different situations in the overall observation of the game that we will get to. And then your turn to weigh in at around 1125-ish, 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980. Hopefully most of you have joined us now. I know we had an issue with the app. Apologize with that. Um, remember, you can always go to the team980.com if you have an issue with the app. Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980, the Team980.com. Uh, all of our big game, big game coverage on the Team 980s presented by Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit. Solostove.com. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.